In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the How You Really podcast. I'm just going to put a trigger warning in here that in this episode about depression, we do mention suicidal feelings and self-harm. So if that's not something you think you could listen to right now, then go ahead and maybe listen to one of my other episodes. This week, we're going to talk about depression. And as I have no personal experience of this, we're going to be talking with Henry about it to hear about his experiences. Hi there, Henry here. So I was diagnosed with severe depression and a, uh, a chemical imbalance in my body. So do you want to share with us your experiences of depression as an 18-year-old man, Henry? And yeah, but I think it probably started before I was 18. Mm-hmm. So probably started, I knew that there was a change after GCSE year, moving from working hard towards GCSEs and going on holiday and then going back into school after feeling all this relief of exams being over and then going straight into A-levels and obviously the gap was big. But mentally at the time, I thought I was absolutely fine. Um, I just uh, yeah, I dipped in mood to go up and down like a, like a usual person would. Um, but sort of as time moved on and then especially then COVID hit, I, it sort of went downhill because um, we were sent away um, and put in like a home, like an evacuation home. Um, and it was like living in a cardboard box. It was like, it was, none of our possessions were there. It was daunting and it just wasn't really feeling it. And then I was obviously diagnosed in December time. So not really that long ago, maybe about six, six, seven months ago. Um, and yeah, just really managing it myself from there and just, sort of getting all the help that I need. So was there anything in particular that prompted you to get a diagnosis? And do you think the diagnosis have helped you kind of accept or deal with your depression? Definitely. I think the diagnosis definitely helped. um, Because obviously I wasn't feeling my best um, before my diagnosis. I was feeling a really low point, especially during COVID time um, and lockdown. And it was at the uh, parents' evening but on like the online one where my parents found out that I wasn't doing as well in school as they thought I was doing because I was obviously telling them oh yeah things are great school's going well this is really interesting and obviously I was not feeling that way at all and the teachers told them how I was in class and then it all sort of smacked down Henry you're not doing this right why aren't you doing this why aren't you doing that why aren't you doing any coursework and then it sort of just snapped and I told my parents how I was feeling 
And at the time I was living, I was out in Kenya and um, my mum and dad instantly go, right, we'll go. Because we'll, my mum's got a, uh, an experience herself with, uh, she had prenatal depression. And yeah, so she's seen, she knows what it's like and she knows what the feeling is like. So we immediately, literally the, the day I sort of went, oh, I'm not feeling the best. We went to the doctors and um, did a little test and he diagnosed me with it. Um, I was just below. at first I was like oh it wasn't really that that affected but I wasn't like yeah. oh I didn't really understand um but then as soon as the diagnosis hit that means that when people knew and like found out like family friends or family they were all like really supportive and like oh my god I'm, I'm I'm so sorry to hear that and all this and then when I found out that they were really reacting towards it then I was like oh oh that's oh I've got that I see I, I, so I sort of that's when it sort of kicked off my sort of recovery but yeah very good that your family was so supportive yeah I mean it was um obviously every, all parents have got different ways of helping I think my dad is definitely desensitized like being in the army has been desensitized by a lot of things and but he's been he's been good with it. Um, Mum's been brilliant with it. But it's not like they don't they don't go, oh, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling today? Instead of when it was the heat of it, they were sort of just distracting me, making me do things just to get out of the house and sort of manage my own time. And which I think really did help, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So has the way you think and kind of feel about mental illness has that changed since you got diagnosed with one? Definitely, I. To be honest, I didn't think about mental health of any range before at all. Obviously, I knew it was talked about, but I didn't realise how common it was. I didn't really understand it. After talking about stuff in therapy or talking about with friends or personal experiences, it's really open, opened up to realise how, how many people are affected by it and um, how other people's personal experiences can sort of help you in a way that they tell them how that they manage themselves or um and you sort of you look at other ways to try and try and help yourself and it's good to relate on other people so is there anything you found particularly useful looking after your mental health since you got a diagnosis and anything that you did before i think with me especially i think a lot of it is change when I was when you're stuck in in a rut and you just repetitively like doing the same thing every day that's what I was doing um in lockdown that's what I was doing um when I was just away from home just I was waking up doing the same thing every day and then going to bed waking up doing the same thing and then going to bed I think with me a lot of it was change and if you should if I changed one thing to my day every day it was bringing sort of a bit of goodness and um just every day I get change something a bit more and I bring more changes and I just sort of click with me it was it was a good feeling so this is a bit similar to one of the other questions but is there anything about depression that you that is different experiencing it to how you thought about it before or how you've seen other people deal with it to dealing with it on your own yes I think before I was diagnosed, I've sort of looked at 
self-harm and suicidal thoughts as why don't you just don't think about it just don't do it why would you why would you want to hurt yourself that's just silly but then experiencing it myself it's you realize differently how well i didn't really have a choice it wasn't i didn't want to do it um it was just thing making me do it and i think that's what sort of really I didn't really understand at the time before, but now I really do understand it. And I understand why people do it. Because um, in some ways it's a release. It's not the health, most like healthy release, but sometimes it's all you have. So you said that your family have been really supportive and I assume like your friends have been quite supportive. Is that? Yeah, definitely. I think. Is there anything you'd like to say or a way you'd like to change how some people might have reacted that you didn't find helpful? I think a lot of people, when it comes to like suicidal thoughts or one, I think a lot of people's go-to is, Henry, you can't, you can't even think about that. You can't do that because imagine how everyone else would, would feel if you were gone. I, I don't think that is the way to do it because it's sort of a guilt trip. Maybe in the last resort, I think, it's acceptable but um in the first stage it's not really because the, the the reason why somebody wants to harm themselves or kill themselves is because they don't feel like they belong in this world and i think the best way to help a person who's feeling that way is make them feel special make them feel wanted make them feel like a place of security and that they they're wanted around not to the point where people then do it for attention i'm saying in like in real situations you make them feel like they it's a the world is a better place for them around so some symptoms of depression include obviously the feeling down tearful upset and low self-confidence self-esteem suicidal thoughts feeling numb and maybe dissociating and maybe feeling guilty and worthless but some people might show this in the way they behave by avoiding social events or activities and hobbies like you said self-harming or suicidal behavior difficulty speaking or remembering and concentrating on things risk-taking behavior like smoking drinking drugs other things like that but there's also physical symptoms in that it can affect the way you sleep and your appetite and it can also cause physical aches and pains and stuff like that with no cause and also either feeling very restless or being very tired all of the time any of those that you've experienced particularly yeah I think um I would wouldn't want to be the most sociable I was very loving my loving to be alone and um but if I if I had to be with people then it was quite easy for me to just put a smile on the face and act normal like nothing was happening. I thought that was that was quite easy for me to do. Um, and definitely you, you feel tired all the time because you've got this this mental drain that's always sort of in your head. It's just, it's always racing and it really drains you. But then what's annoying is it drains you, but then you get down to, you get down to bed and you're thinking, I can't sleep. And I'm tired. Can't sleep, but I'm tired. It is a bit of a. It's quite annoying sometimes.
That's exactly how I felt grieving, you know. Mm, it's... Just because your brain is processing all these extra things compared to the average person, tired and mentally yeah. tired. But then when you go to sleep, it's like, nope, not allowed to do that. No rest for you. Literally, it's, it's, it's annoying. Like even for me, it really hit my sort of um, work ethic and motivation. I had none at all. Like I couldn't. Some days I really wouldn't want to get out of bed. I wouldn't want to go eat food. And you'd think before before that I was thinking, oh, this food. Go to the fridge, get some get some food. But it was like, oh, I just why? There's no point, really. So, how do you think having depression has affected your relationships with other people and also yourself? I think to to a, obviously everyone everyone's cautious when they meet new people and. Um, I didn't really, if I, let's say, let's say if I was wanting to get into a relationship with someone or I was talking to someone, I wouldn't envelop all my feelings and I wouldn't tell them everything because obviously depression is a lot to handle, especially for other people and friends. It's not something you'd talk about. So I would sort of, can't, like, I wouldn't really talk about myself. I wouldn't really sort of let them know how I was feeling really because obviously it's a lot to handle. Um, so I sort of hid that, I bottled it. So that's where I sort of started to bottle all my feelings. I mean, I was diagnosed with it for a few months before I told um, anyone. Um, and I would just bottle everything because I didn't really know how to process things. And that's really what, what I did. Do you think there's any way that your friends and family could have supported you better? No, I think I wanted it pretty well, really. It just depends on the friends, really. I think the people who experienced... Um, mental health problems of themselves I think they are far better at support but sometimes it's quite hard to allow them to support you because they've got things on themselves and um, you don't want to burden them the main the main thing I think is whenever you're asking for help or um, or you want help you don't you don't go and get it is you don't want to burden people you don't want to um, be turned away like you always want to be taken seriously in some places people don't take you seriously that's what a big thing I had was I didn't think I would be taken seriously especially living I think I'm a fairly before I would think I was a fairly happy guy very jolly and um like I, I didn't think many people would believe how I was feeling I didn't really look like that and sometimes I still don't because it's very easy to put, put a, a face on people know how and mental health is a bit of a lockdown is a massively regarded thing nowadays you can sort of tell the signs and I think that's helped a lot of people including myself people know the signs just for context I've known Henry since I was seven yeah a long time over 10 years but mm. although I didn't see you that much when you were experiencing this lockdown everything I I noticed a bit of a difference but you hit it very well because you are you, you are just a very kind of fun loving happy guy. Thank you. <laughs> Fine. It's just because I remember telling you about my diagnosis and you were like, "Oh, twins." Yeah, that's true. So, <clears throat> do you feel like the stigma towards mental health is changing? Definitely. I think lockdowns played a monumental part in that. Everyone's mental health got worse. I think it's fair to say that everyone's did. The global depression 
and it's massive. I think, especially with school, although school aren't always going to be the best at dealing with things, um, they're still trying. And I think that's because of a change in nature of mental health. So how do you think society could promote mental health support to young men better? Because a lot of it is directed towards women, I feel, or yeah. it's less men feel they're comfortable enough to ask for help. Yeah, I think that is a big thing. I think, um, again, I think this is my problem is that taken seriously. I, I didn't think I would be. Men are normally, I don't want to go into a gender debate, but like men don't usually talk about their feelings and they don't always feel as comfortable um, to talk about them. They sort of just get on with their lives. I think that's what I've done. I think I've noticed that with friends, they they have something going on and they just get on with it like nothing's happened. But I think we need to talk about what's going on because just talking about it helps. So you kind of mentioned school and kind of their mental health support but how do you think education in general can be improved to help young people going through mental illness in in the case of our school in some schools i've i've known that um when there's an event and it includes mental health they immediately go oh we'll just take it out of our hands you, you go home without knowing how their home life is going to be like it could be wherever that problem is from, it could be driven from home. So then you just keep, keep the kid out to go home to a place you don't know how they're being treated or how they're feeling. I think if you're in school or if you're in a good environment, um, then you should, you should, the school, wherever you are, should try their best to make you feel comfortable, make you feel wanted and secure, and where there's an actual place to talk where there's you feel the confidentiality. Some schools, there's, you don't feel like it's confidential at all. And I think that applies to hundreds of schools around the country. I agree with the confidentiality thing. It's such a big thing of trust. Hmm. And that I think with schools especially, that they have all our parents' contact information. And to us, as young adults and children, it is just too easy for them to pass on information to people that we've given... Yeah them information and confidence but they can just so easily share it with other people and they wouldn't get any consequences from it i i know it's meant to be confidential but in kind of medicine and healthcare, like it's law and they have to follow it but we're never told anything to do with law when we're telling teachers stuff like that and especially me and henry used to go to a boarding school together so obviously we're there all the time so a lot of times you will form quite close relationships with teachers as your parents aren't there most of the time. So if you need to tell someone something that you would usually tell a parent, like you, yeah. you don't know if you can trust them as much. I think what what is misunderstood is that you, when you begin this connection with teachers and you want to start talking to them about stuff, there's a, there's a, there's a point where they're legal, they're, they've got a legal obligation to tell people like tell other teachers or tell somebody who's in charge if you're if it's about your mental health and it's about something serious then they've got a legal obligation to bring sort of awareness to it yeah it's yeah. if you're at risk of hurting yourself or others they have to get other people involved yeah but otherwise they're not meant to tell people yeah I mean, obviously that that's that's their decision where they take that 
So what is something you wish somebody had said to you when you were feeling really down? I don't know, because when I feel really down, I go to someone about it. I think people, like, I always choose the right people to go to. Um, I think a lot of it is choosing the right people to go to. Um, because if you choose the right person to go to, they know what to say. They know what they're on about. So a lot of it's just reassurance. I don't know, it, and it really depends on what specifically I'm feeling or what I'm, th- what I'm thinking about. Um, but I think a lot of it is reassurance that everything's going to be okay and that you just got to keep pushing through because there's a point where it, it at the time you think, oh, it's never going to get better. It's, it's not. But now, look at me. I'm looking back and thinking, why did you think that, you silly so-and-so? But I don't know. You just, get, you just got to keep pushing through it, really, because times can get really, really tough. And I understand that from a lot of cases. Um, and it's just really who you surround yourself with. If you're in the best environment with the best group of friends or um, loved ones or family, they can really help. But then again, everyone's got their different coping mechanisms, but that was my coping mechanism. That's good. Healthy. Mm. So, from when you got diagnosed with depression, what kind of treatment things did you go towards? I know you were prescribed antidepressants, but did you get talking therapy alongside that too? Yeah, so I, when I was diagnosed, the day I was diagnosed, the guy was like, the doctor was like, we have three options, you have self-care, antidepressants, or therapy. And I went, oh, I'm fine, I'll just do some self-care. That didn't really work. So about a couple of weeks later, I decided to take the therapy route and I started cognitive behavioural therapy. So it was mainly about my routine and my day-to-day sort of life um, and how I was feeling. I'd, I'd meet twice a week with the school counsellor which was it was good at first I sort of it made me understand my own feelings and my why why I was feeling the way I did and I think that was really good but then it sort of just got to the point where I was talking about things that I'd gotten over and I was they came back and then I just felt like I was just talking about the same things I'm not but that's why it didn't really work for me that much but I can see why it would really help other people because talking about your feelings um, really helps you get over them. And it did help me to begin with, but then towards sort of more exam stress and a lot going on, um, it didn't really help me. So I sort of went on to the antidepressants route, which I was ruling against. I, since the start, I ruled against it. My mum, she didn't take the, the antidepressants when she had prenatal depression. Or was it postnatal? I don't know what it was. It was one of the two. Because um, I know it can alter your moods and it can affect you massively, but it was a sort of last resort for me. I thought I needed to do it. I researched it, and ever since I've been on them, things have gone really good, really well. I haven't been on um, in therapy for a while, but the antidepressants really helped me. Um, and I think without the therapy, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I think it really depends who you're having therapy with, though. Like, you need to gel with that person. Yeah. Like, it is like you, you won't get on with everyone, but it's like you just need to find your person. My advice 
do it privately. Do not. I, I did a school counsellor. I thought everything was confidential because I was told that, oh, it's a school counsellor. However, it's private. Um, not the case. It, it, it was not as confidential as I thought. So I shared some things, um, self-harm, um, and that was then brought up um, with school school had to then tell my parents i had to then tell my i had to then confront my parents about it and it was all it all sort of went a wall um but then again parents had to find out sometime teachers had to find out sometime sort of to like help me and in school so i don't think it was the worst thing in the world but at the time i was like oh no i can't trust it but she had a legal obligation too. So some really good ways to support a friend who's going through depression or they have really depressive moods is obviously to support them to get help because you can't help someone unless they help themselves. And sit someone in therapy and you can you could make someone take antidepressants, but if they don't want to get better they won't. So yeah, you can build up their self esteem and make them feel that they're worth getting yeah. Yeah. you should also be really open to talk to them but be really non-judgmental and that they don't need you to be critical about maybe what they're doing to themselves or how they're feeling and that don't just talk to them about their diagnosis or having depression because they're a normal person they want you should help them to do normal things and talk about their life apart from the mental illness because it doesn't define who they are yeah it's also really important to keep in touch with people because some people who might have depression might find it really hard to like regularly text people and keep in contact because they might not feel like they're worth the time and effort of the other person trying to talk to them. But it's really important to tell them you care and just to make an effort to say that I'm here if they need someone to talk to, even if they they're in kind of denial about the help that they need or maybe that they have a mental illness, it's important to keep telling them how important they are and stuff like that because you will make a difference to them even if it doesn't seem like it will. Hmm. Also, really important to take care of yourself because you can't support anyone else unless you're looking after your mental health first. Learn to love yourself before you can love others. Indeed. What is a message you'd like to give anyone who might be worried about a family member or something and the best thing for them to do to help them get help? I think one thing is know the signs. And once you know the signs, don't go, oh, you need help. You Don't be critical. Just sit there with them, ask them how they're doing and offer your support and then take it from there. Go step by step. Don't, don't go all... All out. I mean, that was probably thing that's what my dad did with me. Really, he just went out and he went. We could do this. We could do that. We could do this. We could do that. I think that wasn't really the best thing for me. Um, but then again, he, that's what he does. Really, that's 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 how that's his coping mechanism. You've got to realise that not everybody's coping mechanism is the same as other people's. Um, so you sort of have to just sit with them and talk and and talk to them about what they'd like to do, what they think would help them, and then sort of give them an aid in that direction. Because um, you know, that's really the best thing to do. Any last messages, Henry, to anyone who 
might be thinking about getting help or might be feeling as low as you were about six months ago? I think recognise the signs. Don't be ignorant like I was and say, no, it's all right, it's fine. Because it's not always fine. Recognise the signs and and really look after yourself the best you can because at the end of the day, your life is always going to be important to everyone, to anyone. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast today, Henry. Very welcome, Evie. You've been very honest, and I think you're going to help a lot of people by saying what you said. Thank you, and I think this podcast is going to help a lot of people as well. All of it. Get watching our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast. And remember, your mental health is always a priority. And as always, I'll be putting links and helpline numbers in the description of this episode if you decide you want to get that professional help in business you rarely hear the expression for life you make a purchase for a product for a service and and there's a there's a time frame there well that's not the case with awaken 180 weight loss allow me to explain you know a year ago i started with awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight but you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off and what good is it that's why i have support for life from awaken 180 yeah i mean I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.